this is an idea that I'm really, really passionate about. And I can see myself dedicating so many hours of my time and so many years of my life. Cause I think that's really important. If you decide to leave your company, you have to make sure that you're 100% all in. You have to be truly passionate about that. Like just because you have a good business idea doesn't mean you should pursue that because it's going to become your life essentially. So I think for me, Girls Night In is something that I'm truly passionate about. I have fun with it and I'm sure you have the same experience with your company where you're excited to get out of bed every morning and work on this. Welcome to the Lifestyle Edit Podcast, a show about creative female entrepreneurs and the businesses they've built. I'm your host, the Lifestyle Edit founder, Naomi Ndudu, and each week I deep dive with a female founder on topics like business models and revenue streams, marketing and branding, building a team and scaling, and how they are managing to cultivate a life and business they love, and all on their own terms. Our goal each week is to take you on a narrative journey of the opportunities and challenges in business right now and offer insights you can immediately apply in growing or starting your business. Alicia, welcome to the Lifestyle Edit podcast. Thank you. So I kind of want to go back a bit because I know that you were already kind of thinking about the idea for the business and then the presidential election happened and that kind of sparked it to for you to kind of take it from idea into execution can you talk to me a little bit about that yeah absolutely um I get asked all the time you know how did girls night in get started and I I feel like I I never really had an an aha moment or a eureka moment that you always hear about uh in other entrepreneur stories but I do think that the presidential election was a huge factor in starting and actually launching the company. Yeah. So after the election happened, um, you know, I think a lot of people were feeling stress and anxiety and a a lot of my friends, especially uh, a lot of my girlfriends. And, you know, I had always been wanting to create something uh, as a creative outlet And I think that was just a really great time for me to create something that would send a little more joy out into the world and help women, especially de-stress from all that was happening. Um, And I I had had an idea for a business called Girls Night In uh, that is not what it is today, which the original idea was to create an e-commerce sort of company that would help you host a girls night in with your girlfriends. Um, but I think shortly after the election, I felt this sense of urgency to get something, anything out there that would help me have a creative outlet, but also, uh, improve the lives of women who are feeling so stressed. So that's kind of the, the origin story. I, I sent out the first newsletter, um, the, the last week of January, 2017, uh, to about, I think, 300 or so people. And then from there, it really just took off. So it's funny because obviously, you know, the whole business is Girls Night In. But, you know, I know that it was your mission from the beginning to launch this business as a way to help women cultivate more meaningful relationships. How does that mission mm-hmm. fit in with everything that you're doing? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. Our mission at Girls Night In is to help women relax, recharge, and cultivate meaningful community with other women. And that really started when I reflected on my own life and my own friendships that I formed. Um, I feel like, and I, I think I've written a blog post about this, but as a woman in her later 20s, I no longer enjoy going out to really rowdy bars. Amen. That, that just <laughs> right? That just doesn't speak to me anymore. And kind of thinking around that and reflecting on, well, what, what do I enjoy doing? And what I really enjoy doing is hosting friends and my girlfriends at my home for a night in. And I think the reasoning is because the level of intimacy when you're in the home and the level of conversation, the types of conversations you can have are completely different from when you're out and about in a rowdy bar and there's so many distractions around. And I really wanted to create a company that reflected the types of friendships and meaningful conversations that form when you're in a space like that. So um, I'm forgetting the original question now, but that is is essentially where that stemmed from, that cultivating meaningful conversation and meaningful community with other women. So just to go back a bit, just to give people a little bit of background. So I was reading that you taught yourself to code at like 10 years old, which is crazy. <laughs> graduated from Harvard and you've been you've had an incredible career in tech ever since could you just give us a little bit of background about some of the roles that you that you've had um, and some of your experiences yes absolutely um so I've always been very very interested in technology and design and how those two intersect and as you mentioned um I I taught myself how to code when I was 10. I was, I was a very sheltered child. I had a lot of time on my hands and an internet connection. And I was just always so curious about creating things, especially for the web. Um, so that's how that started. And then when I graduated college, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went into management consulting, which I think a lot of my classmates were doing. So I just kind of went along with the crowd and of course I didn't love it <laughs> at all. So after about a year of that, I, I, I went back to my childhood passion of technology and coding and ended up getting a job at this company called Box Media, which is a media and technology company. And while at Box, I really I grew a lot as uh, a woman working in technology. Um, I worked as a front-end engineer building out web products. I also did product design for their platforms um, and really just was able to hone my skills there and eventually became uh, a product design director on their revenue products team. Um, So that was an incredible experience. And then after that, I had a brief stint at um, a different technology company based here in DC called Nava. And I was able to work on the design side of healthcare.gov, which was an amazing experience. And I learned so much. And 
Yeah. And now I'm here building Girls Night In. And I'm really grateful to have had that experience in technology because I think when people see Girls Night In, they they automatically, you know, assume or think that, okay, you're a media company or you're a newsletter brand. Um, but I actually think we're more than that. We're, we're part technology company. We're part community. We're part editorial. And I, I want to show the world that it's okay to be all of those things and, and not have to kind of peg yourself into a hole. So it's been, it's been really great. It's funny that you say that because I actually felt the opposite when I went on your site. It first of all, it doesn't. It looks like it's a lot longer than a year old, completely. <laughs> and you could just like I could see where this business could be in five years' time. Um, you could just see how you'll be able to scale it out into kind of different revenue streams. Um, so that that was one of the the reasons why I was like really really excited and I know that we're going to talk about some of the some of the new ventures that you're currently working on a bit later but so what ultimately made you decide to leave then you'd kind of grown and got to such a senior roles in a relatively short Mm -hmm. space of time um living you know many people's kind of dream jobs um Mm -hmm. what made you decide to walk away from that wow that is a great question and now that you frame it that way I'm part of me is like why did I do that (laughs) why did I leave um yeah so I think backstory might be really interesting because I grew up in a household that wasn't well off I I we always had financial struggles growing up and I think uh, making the decision to leave a safe a very safe job and career path was very difficult for me. And it's something I'm still, I'm still struggling with from a mental, emotional, everything perspective, because it is really hard. But, um, I think when I launched girls night in, like I said, I launched it with 300 subscribers and then every week that would double and double and double again. And then it got to the point where I wasn't getting any sleep at night because I was either working on Girls Night In as a side hustle or I was just constantly thinking about it and seeing the response from people. I think that was really the the deciding factor um, that, hey, like this could be a thing. Like so many people are responding to this in a positive way. It's clearly serving a need for all of these people. So I think that was a deciding factor. Um, but I think that is to say, if you're someone who is thinking about making that leap full time into a venture, um, I would say for me, having, having a plan was really, uh, helpful, especially on the financial side, I was able to save a lot of money, um, from having those, jobs basically. Um, so I think financial stability is number one key because that will give you the the mental and emotional stability as well. I think it's really interesting because I speak to so many people and I'm sure now that you've done the jump, you speak to many people too, who have ideas and have had ideas for, for, for years, but it's that thing. Like what makes, what's the tipping point? What makes you kind of take that, take that leap? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it is a huge decision. Um, I think 
I think, again, like for me, it was definitely seeing the response and uh, kind of having a plan for, okay, this is an idea that I'm really, really passionate about and I can see myself dedicating so many hours of my time and so many years of my life. Because I think that's really important. If you decide to leave your company, you have to make sure that you're 100% all in. You have to be truly passionate about that. Like just because you have a good business idea doesn't mean you should pursue that because it's going to become your life essentially. So I think for me, Girls Night In is something that I'm truly passionate about. I have fun with it and I'm sure you have the same experience with your company where you're excited to get out of bed every morning and work on this. Completely. It's funny because I was talking yeah. to my, my boyfriend the other day and you know what it's like, you get so embedded in everything you're doing. You know, I was coming up <laughs> with like these new kind of news list building strategies and like getting like Facebook ads, like getting super excited and I'm just like, yeah, I Actually, yeah. I, I find this stuff really, really interesting, but I can totally understand why you don't. <laughs> yeah, you got to have that passion. No, it's so true. And especially as a self founder, you know, you're a fellow self founder too. Um, what has been kind of some, mm-hmm. some of the opportunities and challenges of going at it alone? Ooh, that's a good one. So many challenges. Oh my gosh. I think if if you are thinking about starting a company, I would actually, you know, suggest or advise that if you have someone in mind to start a company with, definitely reach out. And if you have a friend, especially, you know, who you've known for a while, reach out because it is, and it has been so hard being a solo founder. Um, I think the lessons I've learned is one, it, it's so important to have a support network around you. I think for me, that's my boyfriend, <laughs> my significant other, so supportive. And I can kind of talk to him and, you know, not stress him out too much, but talk, talk <laughs> to him, share just enough that I feel like I have an outlet. Yeah. Um, and my friends and family obviously are incredibly important, you know, supportive. Um, and then second, I think building a team is something that I'm doing now and has been really rewarding because, uh, and maybe you are this way also, but I'm such an independent person and I love getting things done on my own. But one lesson, very important lesson I've learned early on with Girls Night In is I cannot do everything on my own. It's literally impossible. And if I'm going to build out a company and a business, I need to build the right team and empower them to do things instead of doing, trying to do everything on my own. It's just not, oh, it is the work. hardest so thing, right? Is, yeah. It is. So, it's so hard. And it's funny. I'm reading a book at the moment called scaling, which I think everybody should read. It's so good. And that's what they say that you end up being, because we want to stay in control, you end up being the bottleneck in your business's growth. But it's difficult especially when you've been doing every single role you've kind of been used to it being done in a certain way and and it's exactly what you said it's about hiring good people so that you trust them to give them autonomy to make their own decisions 
Yes, exactly. That, that trust is so important and it's something I'm still working on if I'm being completely honest. And I think it's just about finding the people, the right people who align with your values, your company's values, who you know will work um, you know, just as hard as you are and who feel just as passionate as you are and just, yeah, putting that trust in them. So what's been your strategy in building your team? Who, what are some of the roles that you've been focusing on first? Because I know that obviously you started writing all of the content and you've kind of rallied around contributors and an editorial team to help focus on those areas as you begin to scale the business. What's been your approach and how have you found these people? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So how have I been building out the team? Well, I first look at things that are taking up a lot of my time, first of all. So I think the roles that we have so far on our team are uh, someone who handles partnerships, someone who handles our events, and then someone who handles editorial. Um, And partnerships was one of the first roles to fill because I'm sure you get you get this too, but our inboxes fill up all the time <laughs> with people who want to collaborate or partner, or they have this idea for an event or a thing or a giveaway. Um, and I got so overwhelmed by that. And so much of your time goes towards responding to those emails and coordinating those things. So I think for me, it was about freeing up my time and my brain space to to not focus on that and hiring someone who does have a lot of experience handling that. Um, so that's been really helpful. And then, um, editorial is kind of like no brainer. I, I love writing the newsletter and I love having my hand in that. Um, but I think if, if I think about the broader business strategy, it's, it's just not scalable for me to write every every little thing for girls night in. Um, so that's that. Um, and I think moving forward, uh, that's kind of my strategy looking at, okay, where's my time going right now? And uh, do I, can I offboard this to someone else? And if I offboard this, where else can I spend my energy on that would be more beneficial for scaling the company and, and growing the business side of the company? So that's how I think of things. How, how have you been handling that? Yeah, it's definitely been a focus for me in scaling the business this year. Um, you know, I was my background is as a journalist. So in the beginning, I was so attached to the words. Um, you know, we started off as a content company. And the problem with that is that it is incredibly time consuming and you know it's that constant push and pull between working in your business versus working on your business I realized that I was spending so much time on the editorial that you know who is actually operating at an executive level who is managing you know your vision for where your company's going and sales and just having the brain space to think about what the next step is going to be I just did not have that so the best thing that I did was invest but I think for for any small business it's you know you've got such a limited resources that when you put when you allocate budget to one thing it means that it's being removed from another so it's this kind of constant Mm -hmm. like chicken and egg balancing act 
So yeah, I, yeah, I get it. The struggle is is very real. Um, yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say. I think exactly what you just mentioned, like balancing the day to day operations, and then switching back to the brain where you have to think about strategy and vision like that has been really hard for me so if you have any you know more advice on that I'll definitely have to check out the book that you mentioned but that has been a a large uh, challenge I will I will put it in the show notes and I will send you all the information it is amazing (laughs) um because that's it it's have you read the book the e-myth uh, I haven't. You so have to read that. Again, I'll put it in the show notes. It's amazing because he says that in all entrepreneurs, we have three personalities. We have the technician, who's the doer, the manager, who makes sort of like the procedural operations, and then we have the entrepreneur. The majority mm-hmm. of business, small businesses fail, he says, because we get stuck in the manager and technician state Hmm. and we're not thinking about the future we're not looking at opportunities and I read that actually in January a friend recommended it to me and that was for me was the catalyst when I was like yeah it makes so much sense (laughs) if I'm constantly head down doing the doing I'm not actually running a business (laughs) yeah yeah that I feel that so much definitely so how were you able to fund from the beginning? Did you, were you completely bootstrapped? What's kind of been the, the, the funding model? Yeah, I've, uh, from the very beginning, I've been bootstrapped, meaning uh, using my personal savings to do some initial investments and pay for my living expense, expenses. And so far, that's been the case. So we... We're still very early stage, I would say. I left my job um, June 2nd, so it's been a couple of months of me doing this full-time, and I have not brought on any sort of outside investment. My my family, as I mentioned, they're not in a position to invest any money in this, so it's really just been self-funded. But in terms of our revenue streams, Right now, we have a couple. Our, our first and foremost one, you know, as as our main product product currently is an editorial product that comes in the form of advertising and sponsorships. Okay. Um, so that's been one. And then the second that we're starting to build out a little bit is on the event side of things. So we're starting to host events. We have one coming up in DC around wellness and meditation and a juice tasting. Um, so those are really exciting for us so we can engage a little more offline with our community. Um, and then third, which hasn't been a huge focus, but you know, from our, our, from our readers perspective, um, they trust, they tend to trust and enjoy any type of recommendations that we have for them, whether it's a beauty product or a book. So there's uh, affiliate uh, revenue as well. So I think the way that you've yeah. done it has been so clever because I I would never have known that you're working on kind of paid partnerships because everyone that you have partnered with, it just makes so much sense. There is that kind of so much synergy in everyone that you're you're working with because I think we've all you know readers have become so savvy now they know where it's like you know you've never spoken mm-hmm. about a brand like that before um yeah. <laughs> so it's really yeah. so it's amazing especially as as a business that's you know not 
even a year old yet to be creating those kind of meaningful partnerships from the beginning because it is that pressure I was talking to a really prominent um uh, website owner recently and she says you know she's even had moments where you know just to keep the lights on and just to 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 keep the the wheels turning there's been opportunities that have come and she's really had to be like oh that would like completely solve our problems right now but you've got to think long term right yeah absolutely I we actually haven't done a ton of partnerships or sponsorships yet and I think it's exactly because of that we've had to say no to almost like 95% of inbound requests for partnerships because we need to kind of think about our audience and what would serve their needs and our brand and does it truly align with our brand so I think that that authenticity has to come through in your partnerships as well Um, money is nice but uh, I think at the end of the day one thing I learned from working in technology is it's it's all about your users. It's all about your customers. Like if it doesn't serve them, ultimately it's not going to serve your business. So that's been a really great guiding uh, factor. Definitely. Um, so what has been the strategy behind the content? Because um, I know that you include a combination of you have your editor's letter, you have kind of outbound links, and then you also mm-hmm. feature your original content. What was the strategy behind including those different elements? What was the strategy? I wish I had a strategy. <laughs> uh, it was all, Happy it's accident. All very, <laughs> it's all been very organic. Um the, the actual like newsletter format actually hasn't changed since the very first newsletter went out. So I think I just kind of got lucky in that uh, it's been working for us. So our newsletter right now, um, we have an editor's letter. Uh, we have five think, kind of like recommendations for your night in and then a smart read section where we share good long reads for you to enjoy during your commute or your weekend. Um, and then some community things here and there. I think when I I created girls night in, I wanted a really great balance between substance and, uh, fluffy, I guess you could say fluffiness. Um, we want that balance between smart and fun because that's, that's how we view, our audience member and our reader, she, yes, she can read uh, a long read about the uh, online mattress industry and the economics of that and, and what's happening there, but she also wants to know, like, what's the latest uh, trashy reality television show <laughs> she should be watching. Um, she's very smart, but she... She, you know, she likes to take it back once in a while and, and have some fun. So the strategy has been making sure that every newsletter, there's a, a great balance between those two sides. Um, and then another thing we ask ourselves, especially with uh, the smart read section, is, is this something that you would read that you would want to share with your friend? Yes. Because um, I think that's so important when you're trying to grow, like, like you're mentioning list building and growing your audience. A lot of that for us, luckily has been word of mouth and organic. And I think it's because 
when our readers read something in Girls Night In, they really want to share it, whether it's in a group text with their friends, or I found out the other day that one woman started a Slack channel at her work to discuss Girls Night In. You're joking. Um, (laughs) If that is not like a a pat on the back, then geez, I don't know what is. Yeah, exactly. So I think creating and sharing these uh, pieces that spark discussion, like that's been really great for us. And it's true. You're seeing it with, you know, the newsletter companies that are popping up recently that, you know, you know, you've got the skim, you've got the newsette, you know, you're in such great company of these platforms that just really speak to women in a way that, you know, you want to be spoken to it. it, Like when I get your emails, it is like a friend has just emailed me. I love hearing that. That's definitely what we want. Okay, so you have these these big numbers. What's your approach? How do you set goals for, you know, the numbers for your email list? Because I think it's really easy for, for us as businesses to kind of pluck numbers out of the sky. Like, you know, I need 100,000 subscribers, for example. But obviously, it needs to be for a reason. Sometimes businesses need far less than they think that they need to make the impact that they want. How are you setting those kind of benchmark numbers for your team? That is a great question. Um, so for our team, what I've been doing that that's been working well is, or I hope it's been working well, um, is creating kind of like a, a goals document every quarter. And in that document, we usually list out the metrics that we're looking for and those numbers that um, you referred to. Um, for Girls Night In, it's been really interesting because you do see other newsletters in the space like The Skim and um, some of these other ones that have these massive, massive numbers, millions of readers. For us, it's been less of a focus on the actual list size and more of a focus on the level of engagement. Um, We're really so excited and so lucky and this is a core piece of our strategy to have a highly engaged audience. Our newsletters are opened, our average open rate is above 50%, which is absolutely unheard of in, in the industry. It means that our readers love getting our newsletters and they look forward to it and they open it and they read it. And I think nothing can ever um, replace that kind of level of engagement and trust that you have with your audience. And I don't know, some other parties might want to see those hundreds of thousands of subscribers, millions of subscribers, but I don't know, as a business owner, I think you know in your gut that like, those numbers are very surface level and it's all about, you know, will your reader uh, respond to you? Will your reader leave a comment? Will your reader show up offline to an event that you're doing? So we've been using those metrics as a way, as kind of like, um, I don't know how to say this, but as a brand building tool, like we want to build a very strong brand and you do that through building that trust with the reader definitely and I think it's you know I remember uh reading an interview that you did in the past where you said that you kind of have a piece of paper with your missions your mission for the business so you're constantly referring back to I think it's so important because in this day and age where you know 
with Instagram, it's like this race to get to, um, you know, these kind of big, you know, 100K, now it's like a million. Before it was like you wanted to get the tick to say that you were verified. It's, it's, yeah. it's like these little distractions. And, you know, we are yeah. only human beings. It's so hard to not be sucked into kind of chasing that and really staying in tune with, you know, what our missions yeah. are in our own business. Absolutely. I, you know, that sticky note, so the quote is, you know, I have above my desk a little sticky note that says, don't forget your vision. And I remember writing that it was on a a really hard, particularly difficult day for me. Um, And it just, you need that motivation to keep going. And I think, like you said, it's so easy to get sucked up into the comparison game. You know, this person is doing this, this brand is doing this. I need to do all these things. But really when you're building a business, you're building something new and unique to the world. You have to stay true to your vision and, um, not just do something because somebody else is doing it. Um, and that will serve you better in the long term, I think. And it is, it has been hard to kind of see you know, other brands and other companies doing all these amazing things. But I think what I'm trying to build, I feel is so new and unique to the world. So just having that in mind really helps me push, push forward every day. Cause it is a challenge. Being a founder is not easy. <laughs> Tell me about it. But I guess yeah. it, it's made easier when you're doing it for, when you have a mission. It goes back to what you were saying earlier. If it was something that was just like, okay, I've got a five-year plan. This is my exit strategy. I think it would be a lot harder to, to, to avoid those kind of comparison traps because it is essentially for you down to numbers. But when you have that kind of bigger purpose, it makes those difficult times a little bit easier. Yes, absolutely. Another thing that I do um, in terms of motivation is I have a little like Evernote collection um, that that is called like testimonials or like positivity. And what I do is anytime I receive an email or a message or a tweet or an Instagram from a girls night in fan or a reader, um, I, I screenshot that and I save it. And whenever I'm having a hard day, I go back to that and look at that because it reminds me, this is why I'm doing this because I'm having an impact on this woman's life. And, you know, these people are really responding to it. So that's also been really, really helpful for me. I do the exact same thing. The exact same thing. Yeah, you, you <laughs> definitely need, need, those, need those kind of reminders. And I'm sure that you get that even more so now in, with the event side of your business. You're getting to meet these readers in person. Mm-hmm. So when, yes. when did that start? Yes. Uh, yeah, so we are starting to do um, more events and real-life events. And uh, exactly, it's been so great to meet people in real life and understand uh, like we just had an event a couple of weeks ago at Madewell, kind of like as our, we set up a little pop-up shop there and had so many women come by and I would ask almost all of them, like, how did you hear about Girls Night In? And, you know, why do you like it? I'm tr- I'm genuinely curious. And that's, I mean, I was so overwhelmed by the responses. And one of the key things that I learned was that, um, these women really appreciate the community that we've built and 
Um, kind of, we also do book club, monthly book club meetings, and a lot of them have gone to those and have gotten a lot out of those. So I think hearing that was very, um, very like validating, but also very humbling too. And we're hoping to do more events, uh, this quarter and into next year that help bring our community together, not just in D.C., where I'm currently based and the team is based, but around um, all different cities. Because I know with the book clubs, you've had them in multiple cities. Have you been in each, running each one of them, or do you have kind of representatives in these different, different cities? How is that working? Yeah, so we have a monthly book club. Uh, so far, we've done it in a couple of cities, about seven cities, uh, like Austin, Boston, Seattle, Toronto. Um, and we have an amazing group of book club hosts, and they are awesome. They organize everything from they choose the venue to reaching out to sponsors on our behalf, and it's all been a labor of love and a labor of generosity uh, that we've been able to build this amazing group of women who have applied to become book club hosts and, you know, they want to bring Girls Night In and the sense of community and conversation to their cities. Um, so right now we, we're in seven cities and we're slowly starting to expand to even more cities after that. So I know that you just launched your membership. How does that fit in with everything? And what will your audience be able to get with membership that they wouldn't otherwise? Yeah, that is a great question. We are soon launching a beta membership for Girls Night In. And I think for me, in terms of building out a community, I've I've had to reflect a lot on what does community mean? Because a lot of brands and companies, especially media companies, say we're a community and they think that they're a community just by stating that. Um, But I think that creating a space where members can gather is really important for us, whether that's offline or online. Um, so again, kind of going back to the book club side of things, that will be a key piece of what it means to become a community member at Girls Night In. Um, but we'll also have other fun things related to wellness and self-care. We're working with brand partners to help bring, um, exclusive perks and experiences for our members, um, and I think above all, it's it's about connecting our members with each other, uh, no matter where you are. Um, and, and we've seen this really has grown out from listening to our audience's feedback in terms of what they want and what they're seeking. And what we're hearing is that, you know, loneliness is on the rise. Yeah. It's really hard to make friends, especially in your 20 later 20s um like I am right now it's it's genuinely difficult it's to so meet hard. people outside of your bubble yeah and especially um, people I say this to my friends at full-time jobs all the time I'm like you have it so good you meet people all the time in the even in the office you have that kind of camaraderie when you start your own business you lose that kind of team camaraderie that you know having a chat in the kitchen while you make yourself a coffee like 
all of yeah. that, you, you, you miss that, especially if when you're at the early stages of your, your business where, it, you know, it's maybe just you or your team are completely remote. It's so hard to oh kind gosh. of interact with people. And even if you're not, I think for, for anyone that's kind of at that stage of their lives, you know, you have your, your, your girlfriends, then you have, you know, your, your work colleagues. And really, you don't have much time for yourself outside of that. So it's kind of like, where are you meeting these people? When are you having time to meet these people? Yeah, it's it's Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's so hard. <laughs> and something I reflect on a lot, I'm like, you know what? It was so easy for me to have a social life when I had a real job. Because <laughs> like you were saying, you would go out, you know, after work for yeah. happy hour or just like have a chit chat in <laughs> the kitchen and what have you. And now I'm just like in my apartment alone <laughs> or going to a coffee shop. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that the whole like making friends thing and socializing thing, it will be looking into the future, I think it'll be an even more kind of challenge for our generation, especially as we look at these social media trends and mental health trends. I mean, we're, we're in this constant state of FOMO and liking things on Instagram and feeling left out. And it's, it's doing damage to a lot of young people's mental health, especially. So I think moving forward where Girls Night In wants to make a difference is create those spaces where, um, you can gather with with new people that you maybe haven't would not have had the chance to meet otherwise and break out of your bubble and I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting that like hey I am at this stage in my life where you know it is hard for me to make friends and it might feel a little awkward to like randomly show up to a networking event um so you want to you know, use the membership in our community as as a space where you can create those connections. Everything that you put out in the world, especially when it's your own business, feels so personal. So it's so easy that if you put something out that you put a lot of time and energy into it and it doesn't get the response you want to take it personally. So what I've mm-hmm. learned is exactly as we were saying with, you know, testing things before going full in on a new limb on your business. And yeah just making that just not being attached you know to to the result just using it always as an experiment and then making that feedback loop you know faster and faster yeah I mean hey you were just by virtue of starting your own business and creating your own company I would argue that you're always I mean this might be dark but you're always on the brink of failure (laughs) Um, a lot of businesses don't succeed so I I mean, you're already an amazing risk taker, so why not take more risks and see what sticks and see what doesn't work, and there's no shame in that, and, you know, just go for it. Definitely. It's, yeah, it's incredible that you've been able to pack all of this into a year, a year. I think for many entrepreneurs, we're constantly having ideas. Do you, is there any kind of questions that you ask yourself in terms of timing before you introduce something new? Any questions um, before introducing something new? Yeah, I think that with the membership part, especially just because that's at the front of my head right now, is um, are we able to support this from an an infrastructure and process and people standpoint? Yeah. Um, so, cause once you set that into motion, um, it's hard to kind of 
circle back and, and undo things. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of other things. We're launching a shop soon with our own products. And how um, before exciting. Setting, yeah. So, thank you. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, before launching that fully, we had kind of like a pop-up sale at that, that Madewell event. And we kind of use that going back to the whole like testing thing before going full on. Um, I kind of use that as a testing ground to understand, okay, like what products are people gravitating towards what's selling out? What are, what are people kind of like meh about? Um, so that's kind of a great way to, to understand how to move forward before fully launching something. So what's been the process of bringing the shop bringing the shop together because especially working on your own products what's kind of been the lead time and and the process because I know that you're planning to launch next month November yes I cannot believe it oh my <laughs> gosh I these products I kid you not they've been uh in the works since I want to say like late February um which is ridiculous to hear that but it, it's just it's been a journey and I think the hardest part well I think all the parts have been kind of hard but we're designing our own products and I think when I you know I've never done that before I've never designed my own physical product before I didn't really understand the time that is needed to design that out plan that out um, we never do. You know, <laughs> choose, choose everything down from like choosing the right material and the right paper or stock for whatever goods that you're creating, um, figuring out what the packaging will look like. Uh, that's been really difficult. Also, right now, I'm in the stage where we're getting ready to launch the shop and getting all of our inventory ready. Uh, so fulfillment and shipping, like that has been a huge, um, headache. <laughs> so, so I think there are so many parts that you just don't realize going, going into launching an e-commerce shop. So, uh, knock on wood. I hope it, I, I, I'm sure it'll go smoothly, but it, it's taking a lot of work. I am so excited to see everything live on the website. And that's actually a perfect way to end. Final question. How do you, you're clearly ambitious and you're striving. You can see where your business is going. How do you balance between that push and pull of, you know, striving for the next thing, but also taking that time to kind of soak in everything that you're doing and achieving in the here and now? Oh, that is a good question, because I think as as creative entrepreneurs and founders, it's easy to continue to go, go, go without taking that time to reflect and Honestly, like giving yourself credit, I think is something I do struggle with. Uh, I'm always focused on the next thing and I haven't done, I don't think I've done a good job of reflecting on, on everything that we've done. Um, I think, I think it's just, you have to be a little intentional about creating those moments for reflection. Um, like I mentioned, I do have that notepad where I write down all the positive things that are happening with Girls Night In and things that people are saying. Um, so I think being intentional about 
carving out reflecting times of reflection, like whether it's once a week or once every evening where you take out that, that piece of, um, inspiration or things that you want to reflect on, just being more intentional about that. And I actually, that's a good reminder for me to get better at that. Cause I think it's easy. It's very easy to be hard on yourself and not celebrate your successes definitely so, and that's why it's yeah. it's so incredible me being part of this community of creative entrepreneurs and that's why I you know I really wanted to to talk to you and tell you how inspired I've been by watching everything that you've done over the last year I think it's really important to to fi- feel like you're part of that community and you know pay it forward and, and and when you see people doing amazing things letting them know Yes, absolutely. And I love, I love the way you put that. I think when you shine, I shine, it's the shine theory thing that's been, um, created by, I think, Anne Friedman and Amina Tussaud that it's for women, especially, I think it's, you know, we should celebrate each other's successes because if you're doing great, then, you know, that is a reflection on me as someone who supports you and is your friend and, you know, co- collaboration is so important and having that community and support system is so important. So thank you for creating that space and telling all these stories. I think it, it has such a huge impact. So that's it for this week's episode of the Lifestyle Edit Podcast. You can download more episodes of the show and subscribe in Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you enjoyed what you heard, we would love a review or recommendation. It's the number one way for us to share these stories and insights with as many creative female entrepreneurs as possible. And don't forget, all of the information on how to join the TLE community is in the show notes or simply head to thelifestyleedit.com to sign up.